welcome. It's the best idea of all time. The podcast where we watch the Carol every week. My name's Alice. My name is Laser. Hello. It's week eight. We've watched this movie eight times. We've watched it eight times. And we have 44 more to go. You're so good at math. I guess I am. Um, I've done a lot of research. I want to get right into it. Okay, great. Um, I've listened to two different podcasts that feature, that watched and talked about the movie Carol in the oh. last week. Oh, excellent. I listened to the Bechdel cast. Oh, great. With Jamie Loftus and Caitlin Durante. Very you, good podcast. And then I also listened to Straight to L, which is a podcast by three women. Uh, two of them are straight. One of them is a lesbian. Um, some folk, uh, some fans tagged us on Twitter saying that we should collab with them. So I listened to their episode about Carol. Okay. And it was interesting. What, what are the takes? What are, the, what are other people's takes on the film Carol? They think it's boring. What? That's wrong. And everyone hates Rooney Mara. Those are the two takes. Well, if you only watch the movie once, yeah, of course. But you have to watch it at least seven times. Right. And so I have some thought. I have some theories about this, but I, I just thought, one, I will say it was really interesting because I found myself just like screaming at my podcast <laughs> because it was like, they were like, they were just asking questions that I know the answers because I've watched this movie so many times. One of them was like, something about the trains were 5,000. I was like, and painted limited edition of 5,000. <laughs> we know everything. Why didn't people bring us on this podcast? Yeah. Or like, what, what, how is it possible that Carol has an apartment and a job already? It's like, because it's been three months. We know too much. We know too much. It's ruined enjoying other podcasts for me. <laughs> I mean, yeah, of course. Okay. So a lot of the complaints were that Rooney Mara was flat or boring that she didn't have chemistry with Kate Blanchett mm. and that her character was uninteresting, which I totally kind of, I guess, I guess I kind of understand that. But my theory is a lot of the people who are watching these, these, this movie, um, they're either out as queer yeah. or they're exploring being queer. Mm -hmm. And I think if you're someone who is out as queer, if you're very comfortable in your, your attraction to women, yeah, then the first thing you're going to see is, Kate Blanchett, right? I mean, she's a sexy lady. She's a sexy lady. She turned one of those like like cartoon wolves with the hard eyes. Like a <laughs> she's a real Lola Bunny type. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so if that's what you're paying attention to, yeah, you're not going to see Therese at all. Yeah. Um, one of the guests on the episode of the Bechdel cast, I, for, I, I apologize, I forget which one it was. Uh, she mentioned that she works at the Los Angeles LGBT Center, and she works a lot with, a lot with people who are coming out as queer later in life, especially women who are coming out as being attracted to women later in life, and how their experience so mirrors um, what Therese goes through. Yeah. And so, for that reason, she found the, the portrayal very compelling. I think in my experience, because uh, I'm, I'm old as shit, but I've not been in a lot of adult relationships, I, I come to it from that same perspective, which is why I think I relate so much to Therese as a character. Mm -hmm. I also think, for me, I, I tend to put people that I think are like extremely attractive, assume they're out of my league and don't assume that I have any chance with them. Mm. So I, I'm projecting myself more onto Therese than, than thinking like, if I, if I say the, nice, the right thing, Kate Blanchett will smile and give me one of those great looks or whatever. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense to me. I think, yeah, Rooney Mara, and I think we both agree, like, it, the more you watch the movie, the more Rooney Mara does have a personality. Yeah. Like, she is frequently looking through the camera, right? And that's what a lot of the movie is about, seeing Carol. But I think that the story is very relatable, and I think you're right, and I think I agree with you. That's very Do you think they have chemistry? I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah. I mean... They don't have, like, an easy rapport. Right. But I also think 
the material makes that difficult. I think like when I think about chemistry, yeah, I think fun. about two people who are on equal footing and like like two people who are friends or like I'm thinking about like like big like famous romantic comedies when Harry met Sally, The Matrix, those sorts Mr. of things. Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Yes. Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Like those two characters come at it from equal equal sides and they come together. Uh whereas there's such there's such a power dynamic and differential here. Like I love Rudy Mara's performance because I think she plays completely swept away and in love with Carol really well. Yeah, I think it's accurate. And I think especially now that we've read the book and we know so much about that character. Right. And where she's coming from, it's like it all makes she's just like, Yes, mm-hmm. I want I want to love this woman. I must do it, but also I can't say these things out loud. Yeah. I mean, and, and I don't think the movie is boring, but I generally think movies like this are boring. Like, sure. But I don't think this one is because it has a lot of women and kissing in it. That's and true. I think most of the time movies like this are about like a man's feelings and I don't care about those. Yes. So I think that it, I understand why people think this movie is boring. Not very much happens in it. Yeah. But I mean, I, that's actually a good point because I was thinking about this as well. One of the things that's so novel about this movie is that there are so few men and the women drive so much of it forward. I think this is like... And literally drive cars. This is true. Vroom, vroom. Vroom, vroom. Beep, beep. Uh, I really into the show Killing Eve, which I think critically, and, and to talk to anyone who watches that show, will t- anyone will tell you, it, like the first season was very good. The second and third seasons are of lesser quality. But I still love that show, partially because we don't get shows like that that are about two women in, in those types of characters. And even if maybe, like, I don't know, the dialogue isn't as snappy as when Phoebe Waller-Bridges is writing it, I still think it's interesting, the exploration of those two characters, even after maybe they run out of ideas for plot. Um, I think Carol's <laughs> the same way. Like, yeah. the, the novelty of it being about women and centering women in this way makes it so much more appealing to me. Yeah, I mean, I, that's how I feel about Ghostbusters Answer the Call. Like, that's true. I do not care about the old Ghostbusters movies because uh-huh. it's just a bunch of dudes making dick jokes and yep. I, I don't give up. Fuck. But and the new jobs, yes. And getting blow jobs from ghosts. But the new Ghostbusters, literally they could do anything. I don't care if the movie is good. I it just it makes me feel good about myself. It yes. makes me happy to watch. Uh-huh. I could watch them eat pizza and lick guns, whatever. I don't I, care. I saw that movie twice in theaters the second time solely just so I could see the scene of Holtzman licking the gun. I it's, a second time. It's so good. It's so good. such a good film. And they yeah. cut out the romantic plot, which I I I am so supportive of. Yes. Um and, and I think that's the thing about this movie is like it's not for everybody, and I think if people don't like it, then it's not for them and they should shut up. Right. It was also <laughs> It was also really interesting to me because I had this experience where I was talking to, there's this Twitch streamer I like who is a queer woman, and she was talking about lesbian movies, and, she, and, and I mentioned I really liked, in the, in the chat, I mentioned I really liked the movie Saving Face, which we both watched. Yes. And she said, I thought that movie really boring. And, and mm. I don't agree personally, but also, I am an Asian woman. She is a white woman. Yeah. There's, there's less going on there that maybe like she could, like, it might be harder for her to, to latch on to some of the cultural stuff that's going on with the family. I would like to think that's universal, but, but yeah. maybe it's not. I like not. that movie a lot. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I mean. No, I think, I think she's very wrong. I will say that. <laughs> I mean, I think that everybody, you know, people can have different opinions about movies. Of it course. just affects us more, I think, when it's like there are so few queer movies. There are so few movies that mm-hmm. center women, especially queer women, especially queer women of color, like that you just want to be like, well, 
everybody is so excited about all of these terrible, boring Criterion collection made by and for men movies. Like maybe we should give a break. Like it's ultimately good that there are both good and bad and mediocre films centering other people. But right. Yeah. We're we're not going to talk about happiest season. We cannot talk about happiest (laughs) season. We will get canceled. Um, so I just went to New York. Yeah, you were in New York for a week. Home of Carol. Yes. Um, went to all the Carol hotspots. I didn't go to any Carol hotspots. I didn't, didn't go, go to Frankenberg. Didn't go to Frankenberg. You didn't go to Scotty on Madison. Didn't go to Scott. I don't know why I didn't. I you didn't, didn't, even you didn't go to. You didn't go to Carol's apartment on, on Madison Avenue. It's big enough for two. <laughs> it's big enough for two. I, you'll move in with me, but I suppose you won't. I didn't. Um, but I had a great time in New York, That's and great. I saw some um. Some shows. What shows did you see? I saw the I saw six, which is great. Oh, I'm so excited! I'm going to I'm going to to New York in April. I'm I I have tickets to six, assuming it's still running. Then oh, it's so good. Yeah. And then I saw Moulin Rouge, which is also great. Uh, I just watched <laughs> Moulin Rouge the movie for the first time last literally last night. <laughs> I haven't seen it. It's about my friend, my friend Lori, friend of the podcast, Lori, yeah. who you also met while you were in New York. Yes. Uh, Shout was, out! Was spent most of the movie telling me about how all, all the ways that the the musical is different and bad compared to the movie. Well, I think if you are an original fan yeah. of one of the other, it makes sense. The musical is so long; it has every song in it. Yes, but I the only thing I know about it is that it stars Obi Wan. So I just kept calling uh-huh. the main character Obi Wan, yep. which really upset all of my friends who are very into musicals. Yeah. Uh, it's great. It's great. It's uh so expensive. You look at it and uh-huh. you're like, they did a lot of work. Yeah, and it's very sexy. So that I'm... movie is batshit. Oh yeah, it's wild. Yes, it's um uh great. Uh, is one way to say it. I think my 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 four star review on Letterbox just says Jello Titty. So <laughs> there's a character in the music in the stage show that I couldn't tell if it was a drag character or a trans character. It's very cool that they yeah. have um also also not surprising given Broadway's history, but yeah. Yeah. Uh and it wasn't necessarily in the text of the show, but just like one of the like Lady Marmalade dancers is clearly you know, has has moments where that um becomes part of what they do. And that was really cool to me and also there's just a bunch of cool gay stuff in it. So recommend that. I also saw Little Shop of Horrors, a great show with good puppets. Lovely. I think Carol, if it becomes a stage show, should find a way to have puppets in it. Mm. Maybe playing the gloves. That's a good question. Would Carol be a musical or would it be a drama? I mean, it would be. I, I feel like if you wanted to go with the text, it would be a drama. Right. But if you, you could do like a, I don't know, Heather's style musical or something like that. Is Heather's a musical? Heather's is a musical. I've not seen it. No, I feel like, but people take things that are dramatic and turn them into musicals, right? I guess that's true. Yeah. Um, people make choices all the time. Yeah. That are sort of parodies. Okay, I wrote down a couple things. Okay, Alice Podcast Report, you did that? Yes. I noticed this time for the first time that the Carol dinner meeting that bookends the film, yes. there are, there's food on the table. Yes. It looks like, like some tea, uh-huh. tea sandwiches. What is that building? I think it's a hotel. That's what I thought too. Like a Ritz, like the Ritz or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was my impression. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a restaurant slash hotel in the second floor of the hotel. Mm-hmm. But but Jack 
goes there to hang out after work on Fridays, I guess? Yeah, it's like a cool bar, cool okay. expensive bar. I don't know. Yeah. I also this this is the first time I actually realized that that whole opening scene with the with the great and the following is actually following Jack go into the hotel. Yeah, I've literally never seen him. I think I'm just oblivious when I watch movies. Yeah, I just don't notice these things. Yeah, yeah. The the movie starts just following this dude who you like never see again. Right. He's just there at the beginning and the end. Yep. Um. Okay. Uh. I did notice watching this film, one of my favorite moments was I looked over at you and you just had this huge smile on your face watching Therese sell dolls. Yeah. I love that you still are loving this movie right now. I don't want to call you out too much, but you were looking at your phone a lot. I mean, listen, I was, okay, I was texting this person that I've been texting. I sent them a picture of the screen of Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara making out. Yep. And they replied, why are there so many... Watto plushies in the picture <laughs> because I, we again are at your house and you have a lot of Star Wars toys. I have a lot of Star Wars toys because I love the George Lucas talk show. It was a, I would say, a failed flirtatious text because of how many Watto plushies I'm sorry there are. For, I'm sorry for <laughs> cock blocking you. I'm sorry, me and, and Watto are cock blocking you. It's fine. It was very funny, but it was just like, look at this. And then they just replied, like, there are three Wattos. No, there are four Wattos with this picture. I'm glad, like, I, I'm glad I recognize them all. Yeah, I was like, okay, yeah, no, that's a good point. I'm sorry. I should have realized that when yeah. I said this picture. You got a crop. You got a crop. You got a crop. You got a crop. Your picks was amazing. Okay, have we looked at what movie is playing when they go on their date? When Carol and Richard, not Carol, Therese and Richard go on their date no. at the beginning and that and Danny McElroy is taking it's notes. listed in the credits as like footage because I know the the um like the New Year's broadcast and I think the the Eisenhower speech are, are listed in there. I think it's listed, but okay. we should look into that. Okay. I was also reminded, and I don't think we talked about this on the book episode, um, but we we noted there are two different women that you that kind of look similar that work with Therese. Yes. And that reminded me of this weird part of the book where Therese kind of goes and visits her coworker mm-hmm. who she just hates because she's ugly yes, and sad and old. Uh-huh. It's a very strange part of the book, and I didn't quite understand like what the point of it was. Yeah, so she visits this coworker who befriends her, and she goes to her apartment in Brooklyn. Yeah. And she and and the woman used to be like a dressmaker, and she wants to make Therese a dress, and then she kind of like, kind of just like gaslights her into staying the night. But then Therese gets up in the middle of the night to leave. Yeah. Later in the book, she does kind of look upon that woman favorably. She does send that woman chocolates while she's oh. on the road trip with Carol. Okay. I think I interpreted this as being kind of like her understanding her attraction to women, and also just not having a lot of friends. Because um, in the book, right before the book started, she, the, the Frankenberg's job is actually temporary. She's a temp yeah. worker for the holidays. She had just moved out of her old apartment and stopped talking to most of her friends that she shared with Richard. Yeah. And so she just was like very alone and it, like outside of, outside of her relationship with Richard. And so I took it as being like, she's trying to like get closer to other women and literally this is the first person who was nice to her at the job it's interesting it might be like she does she it feels like she has a lot of disdain for this person in in the moment but maybe that's i mean just speaking from my own experience like 
if you don't understand your own attraction, uh-huh. you're like, well, gay people are gross. This is weird. Like, there's like that pipeline of like, queer is so wrong. And right. th- and then, oh, queer people are interesting. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, that's me. Right. Kind but of pipeline. I don't think that woman is queer, though. I think. Yeah. But I think she is showing affection for Therese, even as in like a like a mother daughter sense. Oh, okay, yeah. And Therese, like, because we like we know Patricia Highsmith was famously very misogynistic, very much hated women, yeah. Even though she was attracted to them, yeah. That kind of, I could see, I could see that coming out through that part of the book. Yeah, it also feels like, you know, I mean, basically just shows like Therese likes rich people better than poor people, which is, or she's just she. There's a lot of the book where she's just like, I deserve something better. Which mm-hmm. I guess is a lot of what a lot of narratives are. Yeah. Um, okay. I wrote down why is everyone honking on the highway in New York when Abby is driving? That's just how it is. I, but there's other parts. There's a lot of dri- driving in the movie. Right. Where there's not a lot of honking. That's true. There should be more honking. Honestly, that's fairly realistic. Yeah. Just like, everyone. Especially, honk- if the, especially if the West Side Highway was that stop and go, mm-hmm. that's honking. Yeah, that's fair. Have we talked about how Abby drives a convertible in the middle of December? In the middle of the winter. Yeah. It's so cold. It's so cool. That's in the book also. I know. I love her. Yeah. She's just such a badass. Uh-huh. She wants everyone to see her cool scarf. I mean, she's got a cool scarf. And, and matching gloves. I noticed they both, have the, they both have the scarves and the matching gloves that match the map. Great. That's so great. I mean, she's, she's got to have 360 degree view so she can spy on the whole town. That's true. That's true. She has to get her whispers in. She's got to get her whispers in. Maybe she's telepathic. In the, or, um... Oh, she's got like a Professor X kind of yeah. vibe. So she has to leave the top down. The car is Cerebro. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm here for it. Okay, I wrote down the McElroys are not related because Danny and Phil McElroy don't look like they are related to they, each other. They don't look like they're related at all in the same way that the two sisters on Euphoria do not look like they're related at all. Yeah, right. Um, also, speaking of, uh, Carol Collection Corner for this week. Da, 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 da. So I did some research into the gun that Carol has. Okay. There's actually a website called the Internet Movie Firearms Database. Sure. Which did not have an entry for the movie Carol. And then I did some more Googling. It's so weird that the gun, gun fanatics from film aren't really into the movie Carol. Yes. Um, that said, I did do some Googling and someone else posted on a forum and asked, and they, the answer was, it's likely a Smith & Wesson J-Frame 357 revolver, oh. probably a Model 60. Okay, so you bought a gun? I did not buy a gun. Well, okay, I bought, a, I, bought a, I bought an Airsoft gun. Okay. I did not buy a real gun. Okay. I don't believe in real guns. Yeah. But I did buy an Airsoft gun. It's also the exact same gun that is used on Euphoria in episode, oh. in episode 6, so... Um, that was weird. So being, it's a, it's a very, it's a ga- the exact same gun from Carol. It's the gay gun. Yes. It's, the, I mean, it's a very cute little gun. It is a very cute little gun. As far um, as guns go. That's the Carol Collection corner for this week, which is, <laughs> I bought an airsoft gun that looks like the gun from Carol. And you wrap it in a silk scarf and put it in your suitcase. That's true. I gotta find a, I gotta find that silk scarf. Uh, um, good. I also wrote down April 17th. Okay. Which is the day that Carol... Asks Therese to meet her at the hotel. Yes. Apparently, I was, again, doing more research into the movie. I read an article on Wired from a few years ago about the fandom of Carol, and that is Carol Day. April 17th is Carol Day. Oh. Because, one, it's the day they meet in the movie. Two, it's Rooney Mara's birthday. Oh. And three, 
It's the day of the year that they shot the love scene for the movie Carol. Hey, wonderful. Well, now we know what our holiday is. Yeah. Da, 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 da. That's great. I'm excited that Rooney Mara's birthday present that year was getting <laughs> Kate Blanchett to kind of swing her body over on top of her. <laughs> yeah, I know. Just to kind of have a weird... I mean, their interviews about the love scene are very awkward, but I hope they had a good time. At least a little bit of a good time. Uh, this thing looked nice. It looked nice. I'd be there for it. Yeah. Um, okay. I we you mentioned at the end of the film. Yes. Um, Rooney Mara basically is dressed up like Abby. Yes. I've noticed this a couple times. Yeah. Abby wears these like skirt suits with this like uh plaid check pattern. And she has two different ones, I think, in the movie, or maybe it's the same one twice. I I, I can't tell. Mm-hmm. But basically the it's the one that she's wearing while She's pick when she picks up Therese, like she appears magically in the hotel room. They're yeah. driving back east. And then like the next time we see Therese with Carol, she's wearing basically the exact same suit. Yeah, and her hair is done a lot like Abby. Her hair is a lot like Abby too. Yeah. That's interesting. That's uh-huh. she's like, okay, this is what brunettes look like, or maybe this is what Carol's friends look like, or this will get me attracted to Carol, even though I tell her I don't want to live with her. Interesting. I I I the thing I think is so interesting about that scene is that it's like a magic trick where when you see it the first time, when Jack interrupts, Carol is this cool, collected woman. She's the, she's the, she's the upper hand. Yeah. But then at the end of the movie, when you see it, where she shows up and, and she's nervous and she sits down and Therese is really driving the conversation. No, I don't want a cigarette. No, I don't want to move in with you. Mm-hmm. Therese has the upper hand until Jack appears. And then, and then Carol regains the upper hand and control of the conversation, oh, right? interesting. Because, like, as soon as Jack appears, Therese is on the back foot because she's embarrassed that she's there with Carol. Carol is, like, weirdly okay with this because it's, like, a power dynamic thing. Yeah. And then, and then, and then Carol's the one leaving, and Therese is the one looking sad, right? Yeah. That is interesting, yeah. Yeah, the, how the gaze of... Mysterious. The gaze. The gaze gaze of Jack upon the gaze. Uh It changes their dynamic. Yeah, no, it is very different both times, which I think is really very smart choice to frame the film with that scene. Okay, two really important bloopers. There's a point where Carol starts the car when it's already running. Mm -hmm. um, And the the car starts uh, moving or like makes the revving sound, but it's already been started. Yeah. Uh, Huge embarrassment. Also, there's a part where they're in the tunnel and they turn on the radio. And at that point in time, the radio wouldn't have worked in the tunnel. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it ruins the movie completely. Yeah. Thanks, IMDb. I love you. I would say, I also noticed this time when they leave Carol's house and they play Silver Bells. Yes. I think it's actually Kate Blanchett driving because the car does not look like it's going straight. <laughs> I, there are a couple. I like when Abby drives the car. It is another point. It's like, okay, there you yeah. go. I mean, I think most of the scenes where they're on the, fr- the highway or on the, fr- on the road, they're probably, well, is one of those things where they're like, the car's on a truck and, or, or something oh, sure, like sure, sure. Yeah. But that scene, because it, it cuts to Kate getting in the car, in the driver's seat, and the car pulling out in one shot. Yeah. I think it's her driving. And go, cool. I mean, we're going to watch it again next week, but watch that scene next week. It's, kind of shaky. It's kind of not so good at the <laughs> yeah. driving. Yeah. I, I like it when they drive. There's a, the part where Abby dr- pulls away and the convertible and her scarf kind of falls off her hair, but yeah. they're like, just keep going. 
I, I imagine them being like, and she's like, I have my hair scarf card. That nobody will notice. Nobody's going to watch this movie seven times in a row. But we did. We did. But we did watch it seven times in a row. What else do you have in your notes? Uh, the other one I had was I really like the shot in, I forget. Um, oh, it's the McKinley. It's the McKinley Hotel where where they're trying on makeup. Mm-hmm. The shot goes from a, like the picture of McKinley on the wall <laughs> to Therese changing the record to them playing with the makeup and the and the perfume. That whole scene is one continuous camera movement. Oh, really? The camera never stops, and so like I'm I'm sure like the record music was put in in post, but like everything else timing wise has is one continuous shot with with no with no stopping and no cut. So, that's impressive. Um, I was really impressed by that at this time. Yeah, I'll have to pay attention to cuts. I haven't done that before. Mm-hmm. It the camera movement in the film is very deliberate. Yeah, that's something I like about the movie is how deliberate it is because mm-hmm. it does make it very rewatchable. Yeah, because <laughs> you get pick up on that stuff. Yeah, how are you doing? I'm great. I love the movie Carol. Okay, it's good. Um, I think we both still laugh so hard. Yeah. When she asks her manager for the pen, and the pen, <laughs> and the manager gets mad every time. Oh, every God. time we just die. It's we have to get Pamela Haynes on the show. It's it's so funny. Every She's so put out. Every time. Every podcast I listened to did comment on Glasses Manager being being so mad. She's so good. Oh. Uh-huh. Um, I think the other, my other favorite line that I like to say along with the movie right now is, um, when Richard goes, she's more excited about some chintzy camera than going with me to Europe. And then they go, women, you said it, pal. I don't know why, but that cracks me up. I mean, it's just like, what are you guys talking about? You could just a bunch of idiots just saying random words, trying to look smart. You you say this at the end of the year, you're gonna be some like Andrew Dice Clay motherfucker being here, like my kid brother, the womanized, the woman sympathizer. Yep, that's what I'm gonna be like. That's exactly who I am about to be. You're gonna become Phil McElroy by the end of the at the end of the year. You said it, pal. Uh, employment's a curse. I mean, employment. You call that a job? Uh, that's the kind of stuff that I'm gonna say. My yeah. kid brother. The jerk philosopher. I don't know. I don't know about Phil McElroy. I think I dislike him more every time I watch. I like Dan. I'm starting to like Danny more, even though I don't like. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't like, he's not thrusting himself on Therese in like a terrible way. Right. He, he, it's kind of skeezy that he asks her out and makes a pass at her, even though he knows she's dating Richard. But obviously, he's also not that interested. And I think. He's clearly not interested in him. And. He takes it in stride. Yeah, he's cool about it. I noticed that because, like, this is true in the book too. But like, she still calls him her her her. Therese calls him her friend after the kiss. Yeah. So she's totally nonplussed by that. Yeah, she's like, oh, I don't know, men. Sometimes they try to kiss you. Whatever. Yeah. I I one thing I, I noticed is in this in the scene where after they confront Tommy Tucker, she's she's. Tries is giving a little speech. She says, "I oh, I ne- I never say no." And it's it's so odd because like she says no a lot in the movie. Actually, yeah, a lot of things happen, and she's like she sets boundaries. Uh huh. She just doesn't exactly. I think she's just confused about ladies. Yeah, which is fair. Me too. Am I right? Women, you said it, pal. 
You said it, pal. They're so soft. I don't know. You want to end there? <laughs> sure. I don't have anything else in my okay. notes. As we always say to end the podcast. Women. You said it, pal. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Living for you is easy The Best Idea of All Time is hosted by Laser and Alice. Our theme song is Easy Livin', as recorded by Flower Links. You can find more information about them in our show notes. The show is edited and produced by me, Alice. Our website is bestidea.gay. And if you have thoughts about the podcast, you can email us at askmethings at bestidea.gay. If you like the show, you can leave a five-star review for us on Apple Podcasts. Please. The Best Idea of All Time will return next week. Seven, nine? You said it, pal. Are you a clock? I'm not a clock, lady. You're not a clock. I'm not a clock, lady. I'm a clock boy. <laughs> <laughs>